Welcome, everybody, to the the Sunday service. This is our um, coronavirus quarantine service, so if you're uh, watching by video, uh, yeah, I'm glad you made it. (laughs) So uh, if you're watching tonight while you're eating popcorn and eating food and things like that, it's actually okay. It's all right tonight to do that. And uh, so take advantage of that. I uh, will hopefully be keeping you uh, kind of abreast of uh, what the county is going to allow us to do. I know we have uh, Resurrection Sunday coming up and things like that. We need to uh, try to figure out what we're going to do for that. And uh, so we'll be working on that and uh, getting some details out hopefully. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to change anything anytime soon. So... We'll just uh, kind of play it by ear and see what we're allowed to do and do what we're allowed to do. And at a, at a point in the future, I will discuss uh, with the church uh, uh, some of the groundwork or some of the background stuff of what went on and why we're doing what we're doing now and, and uh, taking this route that we have. So we'll, we'll do that at another time. So, all right. Well, we're going to get right into the message here. And uh, so if you would, find your Bible and uh, turn to Acts chapter 13. We've been going through the book of Acts. I'm going to move this out of the way. We have been going through the book of Acts in our uh, Sunday morning series, and we are now in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And I'm going to read the passage this morning and uh, this afternoon, whatever time it is. I'm going to read the passage here, and we're going to have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the message. So, Acts chapter 13, if you found your place here, let's go ahead and read, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews." And they had also John to their ministering. So we're going to stop the reading right there, probably as far as we're going to get today in this message. So let's have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll get right into the message. Father, I want to thank you uh, for a day that we live in with the technology that we have, that we can set things up uh, uh, just uh, on the fly and, and do some different things of recording and to get the, get the gospel out and get the message out. We thank you for that. And pray you'd give us wisdom at this time. This is a strange time. And the rules that are coming down and the things going on, it's just we're not used to this. So God, would you give us wisdom. And uh, Lord, that you would work in such a way that your word would continue to go out without any, without any uh, hindrance at all. That uh, Lord, that you would intervene in this case. That you're... Uh, the churches, our church might be able to get back together again and meet as a body again like we uh, we have. And, and Lord, would you use this time, Father, to strengthen us, to refresh us, to help us to stop and to ponder the seriousness of the day that we live in and the seriousness of the gospel, that we would uh, be uh, renewed in this again. And, 
and uh, in that we would uh, uh, once again hold dearly this opportunity that we've had all these years to assemble at any time and come together uh, as you've commanded us to do. So, Father, would you help us in that? Pray for those that uh, of the of the church here that are just uh, still uh, on beds of affliction and in sickness going through. We just pray you'd raise them up, and would you encourage? Uh, the flock, Lord, please. And we want to ask your blessing on the preaching today, that you would, your Holy Spirit would do His work, that uh, your word would go out with power, and, and uh, Father, you'd give me the liberty and the ability to preach today. You know, I want to thank you for what you're going to do. I want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you turn back in your Bibles, you can turn back to Acts chapter 11 if you'd like to. And I want to give you a little uh, kind of, kind of a, 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 uh, a run up to where we are in chapter 13 to kind of give you a quick reminder of where we have been and where we are uh, at this time. And back in Acts chapter 11, you can look over in verse 19. And the Bible says, Acts 11 verse 19, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And we see here at the stoning of Stephen, great persecution came upon Jerusalem and caused those believers that were there at that time to begin getting out of town, to begin out of Dodge and getting somewhere else uh, in safety. But what they didn't, what they do, did, they didn't just run away. They didn't just get out of the way and get out of where, where harm's way was. Where they went, they began preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here that they went as far as the island of Cyprus, which is that island just uh, west, just off the coast of, of what would be now. Uh, today, Syria, a pretty good-sized little island. And it goes on to say that they went as far as the island of Crete, which is that southernmost island uh, of Greece, about 485 miles west, west of Cyprus. They got a long way. They got a long way out. And so... These disciples went all over. They were preaching to the Jews alone, the Jews only. Many were getting saved. And word began to get back to Jerusalem that all these people that had left were preaching the gospel where they went to and that people were getting saved. And so the church, watch this, the church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas down to Antioch to establish a church there at Antioch. Okay, you can have people saved, but you need a church. You know, you only have part of the Great Commission if you're just getting people saved. They have to be baptized, they have to be put into a local assembly, and they've got to be discipled. It, the whole thing is a part of the Great Commission, not just winning them. And so the church at Jerusalem obviously knew this, sent down Barnabas. Barnabas goes ahead and he goes down to Troas and picks up Saul to get some help at Antioch, and they go back to Antioch, and now they spend about a year here in Antioch uh, building this church that they had just planted because of all the believers that were there now. Okay, so you got where we're at now? Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas has been sent from Jerusalem to go down to Antioch to plant a church. Barnabas gets Saul to go along with him, or Paul to go along with him. There they are at Antioch. They are there for about a year. Well, about a year in, there's a great famine that comes across. People get into hard times. And what they end up doing now is gathering uh, an offering 
among the disciples, among all of those disciples throughout the area where, where, where they had been preaching, and they gather up an offering to take back to those believers, those disciples back up in Judea who are suffering under a famine. So what Paul and Barnabas do is they collect all of this money and they go back up to Jerusalem. They, they distribute the funds and I don't know, the Bible doesn't say how long they're there, but they're there in Jerusalem for a while. And then when you get back to Acts chapter 13, they've now returned to Antioch. They've done a lot of traveling now. They've been all over the place. In chapter 12 and verse 25, the Bible says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Okay? So they're busy. They're busy about the gospel. They had gone away from Antioch, come back, and they're busy about the gospel once again. And over the next few weeks, we are going to look at the details of the missionary endeavors of Paul and Barnabas. Now, just for an outline purpose, let me give you the outlines of what we're going to look at the next few weeks. Let me give it to you this way. They're all O's. Hope you can remember O's. We're going to look at the ordination. We're going to look at their opportunity. We are going to look at their opposition. Always opposition to the gospel. And we're going to look at the outcome. And there's always an outcome to the gospel. But today, we're going to look at just one topic today. And that topic is that of the ordination of Barnabas and Saul. They're going to be ordained to the gospel ministry. You're saying, wait a minute, you just, you just went down and explained all that they are already doing ministry-wise in the work. What do you mean they're going to be ordained? Well, we're going to look at that today. What's going to happen here in Paul and Barnabas' life? So if you notice here in chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, we're going to come into this ordination service. And let me say this, ordination is a serious matter. It's a heavy matter. It's not to be taken lightly. Some have preached this. Well, you, you, you don't need a calling when you have a mandate. Or they may have said it something like that in other words or something to that effect. And that may be true in, 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 in the sense of spreading the gospel and preaching the gospel you know, uh, of, of, of witnessing to your neighbor and to the person that you work with and passing out tracts. Yes, that's true in that sense. But it is not true in the relation into the relation of a pastor, a missionary, a church planner, uh, um, you know, in some official uh, office of authority that has uh, come by the laying on the hands of the church. Uh, listen, ordination is a big matter. It's a big thing. And well, over and again, Paul sought to establish that he had been called into the ministry. I've dealt with this not, not too long in the past about calling the calling of God. I think we looked at that when we looked at James chapter 3, I believe it was. Be not many masters. We looked at that, the calling into the ministry. We realized Paul was an apostle. He was called to be an apostle. He said that, called to be an apostle. He was a missionary. We, we're going to see this. And therefore, because he was a missionary, he was a pastor, he was a church planter. And we see the seriousness of the calling right here in our text in chapter 13. So serious that it calls for prayer 
and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Let me talk about prayer and fasting just for a moment, would you? Would you let me do that? You know, there are Bible reasons to fast and pray. There are Bible reasons to fast and pray. One of the, one of the uh, things that may come to your mind uh, first or the most quickly about fasting and prayer is that fasting and prayer uh, are, are many times necessary to accomplish hard tasks. Hard tasks. Remember over Matthew chapter 17, the disciples had been sent out and they had gone out and they were trying to cast out these demons and they couldn't get them cast out. And they came back to Jesus and they were kind of kind of bummed out, for lack of a better word, that they couldn't cast this demon out. And Jesus told them, He, he, he upbraided them, He rebuked them for their unbelief and for their lack of faith. And remember what He says, He says, If you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it would. And He went on to say about having this type of faith, He would say, And nothing shall be impossible to you. Okay, He's talking about faith there. Jesus told him you couldn't cast the demon out because you didn't have the faith to do it. And in verse 21, Jesus says, How be it, this kind come not out but by prayer and fasting. Pretty serious thing. I, th- I-, I think casting demons out of somebody is a pretty serious matter. And Jesus says, I don't have time to, to, to really parse that verse and to... to, uh, to pull it apart for you. But Jesus is saying this kind of faith, this kind of ability, this kind of power, it doesn't come but by prayer and fasting. Let me, let me say it to you this way. There are some things in life that are so difficult and so serious that you're going to have to implement a time of prayer and fasting if you're ever going to get victory in those areas. To starve the flesh so we can be more in tuned and available to the Spirit of God than we normally would be. And then what most other instances would require. Yeah. Because of the difficulty ahead, you're going to need to fast and pray. Maybe you've been there in your Christian life before. You've had, you've had things in front of you that were mountains. Mountains. And you've looked at them. And you've gone into a time of prayer and fasting. You've, you've just cut the food off. I'll tell you what, when you cut food off, the only thing that's left is to pray. Because if you're going to stop, if you're going to, if you're going to get to the place where you don't pick up a, a bite of food again, you're going to have to pray. <laughs> you're, and you're going to, you, you're going to be in touch. You will find out quickly how, how, how powerful your flesh is when you start fasting. So fasting and prayer are necessary to accomplish certain hard tasks. Secondly, fasting and prayer was to crucify the flesh so that somebody, the, the, the individual could hear a clear direction from God. You can go back to the book of Ezra in chapter 8 and verse 21. And Ezra said, Then I proclaimed a fast there uh, at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before God to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. See what they were doing here? They were fasting for direction. They needed to hear from God. 
They needed direction from God. They were at a place in their life, they're at a crossroad in life, that they said, if we don't hear from God, we're going we're gonna to end up in a, in a lot of problems. And so they took to fasting and praying. And God answered them. But what about this? Fasting and praying in the time of repentance and confession. Over in Nehemiah, chapter 9, Nehemiah wrote, Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They were so overwhelmed with their sinfulness. They were so overwhelmed with their rebellion. They, they were so overwhelmed with the iniquities, even of the iniquities of, their, of the generations before them and of their fathers, that they set apart a time and they put away the food and they fasted and they repented and they made confession and they sought to get right with God. Powerful, isn't it? And there's more reasons for fasting. You can go through the Bible and there's other reasons why we fast. But I want to nail that down this point here before we move on. Fasting coupled with prayer was always an indication of something that is serious. So don't tell me this matter of Acts chapter 13 is no big deal. The church at Antioch is going to send away Barnabas and Saul for the work whereinto the Holy Spirit has called them. Would you see what they do here in verse uh, number 2? Look at this. As they ministered to the Lord and, here it is, fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So if you notice here, they were fasting before the call. They were fasting for direction. That's what I think is going on here. They were back to ministering at their home church. They, they, had, they had spent a year at the church. They had been up, back up to Jerusalem for a while. They've come back to Antioch again. They picked up in the work here at Antioch. And they had fasted and they're looking for direction of what do we do now? What's the next step that we need to take? And it was during the times of prayer and fasting that the Holy Spirit called out Barnabas and Saul for, for the work of church planning across the known world. So they fasted and prayed before the call. But notice this. They fasted and prayed at the ordination service, if you want to call it that, at the sending out of, of Barnabas and Saul in verse 3. Look at this. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Don't miss the gravity of this, would you please? In regards to a church sending out men into the ministry... Fasting was involved in every step of the process here at the church at Antioch. And you know what? The laying on of hands of the gospel ministry is no light matter. Not at all. Not at all. You know, later, later the Apostle Paul would write to Timothy, wouldn't he? Remember that first letter he sent to Timothy? About chapter 5, verse 22. And he, and he warns Timothy to lay hands suddenly on no man. Lay hands. So he goes on to say, because you're going to be a partaker of their evil deeds. 
You have the, it, there, there's a possibility here that if you don't vet somebody, if you don't pray about it, if you don't fast about it, if you're not seeking the will of God about somebody that thinks they're ready to go out into the ministry, if you're not serious about the matter of the, of the ministry, it's possible you can lay your hands on somebody, send them out too soon, and you know what? You're going to be all involved in what they do and don't do. It's, listen, it's going to be on you. This is, this is, a, this is a huge thing. So here they are at this ordination service. They've been fasting, they've been praying, and the Holy Spirit shows up and said, Barnabas and Saul, I want these two guys to go out. And we'll, we'll get in through the book of Acts. We'll, we'll go through all of the journeys. This is going to be exciting to see where and everywhere they go. I think it's fascinating when you realize today all of these places are still there. <laughs> the cities they went to, still there. Different names, but they're still there. But I want to ask this. Why did the Holy Spirit single out Barnabas and Saul? Why did He single them out? I want to dissect that a little bit. I thought of three areas, maybe three topics, three areas of of why God sought to single these two out. You know, the first thing I realize, and there's probably more than this, and we could stop and come up with a, maybe a bunch of other reasons, but I'm just going to look at three of them today. First thing I notice about Barnabas and Saul, these guys are active. These are active guys. I've already spent a lot of time laying the foundation, but let me say it again. Barnabas and Saul were already busy in the ministry before this day came. Before this day at Antioch, before the Holy Spirit of God said to separate them out. They had already been busy in the ministry. Paul was already preaching all over the place. Barnabas was already active at the Jerusalem church when the church of Jerusalem sent him down to Antioch. Both Barnabas and Saul uh, had already spent a year establishing this church here at Antioch, and they were they were heading up benevolence offerings, and they were traveling, picking up money, and they're going back to Jerusalem. I'm just, here's what I'm noticing about these two: Barnabas and Saul were active participants in the ministry of the gospel before the Holy Spirit ever said, "Separate them out unto me and send them out." They were active. They were active. Not only that. Notice this, they're available. They're available. You know, once Paul got saved, he was forever available to God. He was forever available. He did what God told him to do. He went where God told him to go. He said what God told him to say. He was available to God in every place. Sometimes I want to ponder my own availability. And maybe you want to think about your own availability and where you put limits on God and how God wants to use you and how what God wants you to say and where God wants you to go. Don't, don't we seem to put draw lines in the sand? We'll say, God, you, you, we can go here, but that's it. I, I'm not going past here. i got family here. I can't leave. I got this here. I can't go over there. I got people I grew up with. I can't say anything to them. Yeah. That, wasn't, that wasn't Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were active in the gospel. In Acts chapter 16, 
Paul is busy establishing churches. He's busy establishing churches and he wants to go into Asia. He wants to go into Asia. You, you, you know what the Holy Spirit says? No. No. So they keep sailing from, from, from Asia, from that area where they wanted to go, and they think, well, let's go, let's go into Bithynia. Let's go to Bithynia. And he says, and the Holy Spirit again says, no. And then, and then finally, they land at Troas, and while they're at Troas, Paul gets the Macedonian call. He, he's, there, he's there at Troas, he has a dream, and he sees that the men of Macedonia saying, come over and help us. It was God, and he got that Macedonian call. Watch this, Paul had places he wanted to go. Paul had places that, his, that he wanted to minister in that he couldn't, because the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him, and he was available. He was available wherever God wanted him to go. No, it was John Mark who would leave and return to Jerusalem. It was Demas who would forsake him having loved this present world. No, Paul was always available. Paul was active. He was available. Kind of reveals another trait they have, both Barnabas and Saul. They're flexible. Flexible. Kind of sounds pretty similar to availability. But they're both flexible individuals. They were always ready to change course and move. They're always always ready for a change in plans. If you remember, Paul was saved at Damascus. He was brought to Antioch. I just said this. Traveled up to Jerusalem. Came back to Antioch. He eventually is going to take three different missionary journeys. No, this is the attitude of Paul. He's just, he's just God, whatever you want, that's fine. We're, you want me over here? That's fine. I was thinking of Bithynia. You want me to go to Macedonia? Okay, I'll go. Yeah. Changing my plans again? That's fine. Okay. We can do that. I'm going to spend time in prison? Really? Alright, I've got some letters. I need to catch up on some writing. I guess I'll take care of that. No, no, it, it is no wonder that Paul would write to Timothy again and exhort him to be instant, in season, out of season, uh, to, to reprove, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He's telling Timothy, hey, be ready when the time is ripe. Be ready when the time is not ripe. When it is in season, when it's out of season. Be ready, Timothy. Be flexible. Be flexible. I think the Holy Spirit knew what He was doing when He called Barnabas and Saul into the ministry. I think He knew what He was doing. Yeah. Probably the understatement of the century, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, I think there's a bigger takeaway here. We see the seriousness of the call. We see the fasting and the prayer that went into the call. And the seriousness of it. We see some of the qualities that they had about them. About their availability and their flexibility. And 
their activeness, already active in the work of the gospel. But you know, there's a bigger takeaway here that applies to every born-again child of God. Acts 13 isn't completely, entirely about Paul being an apostle. It's not all about Paul being a missionary. Because we realize this, not everybody in the church will or can be a pastor, a deacon, a missionary, some, some sort of, of official capacity in office. It's not the calling that I want to focus on right now. But what I want to point out was what was present before the calling. What was evident in Paul and Barnabas' life before the Holy Spirit of God said, Separate and to be Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. I want, you to, I want you to see this. this. This will help you. People all over, the, all over our land are looking for a purpose in their life. Books are written about how to find purpose. People are looking for a reason to live. And I think for the child of God, this will help you today. Watch this now. Paul and Barnabas were busy in the gospel before before they were called. Now in every job that was given them, they did, the, they did what was asked. In every opportunity to preach the gospel, they did. When, when, when the church at Jerusalem sent them somewhere, they went. And when you get to Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas uh, will be sent out in official capacity with God-ordained authority to plant indigenous Baptist churches. But watch this, please. Most of everything that they will be called to do in the ministry that, that God is going to call them to do, they, they were already doing it. They were already doing it. They just didn't have the authority and the capacity yet of the office to go out and plant churches like they did. Barnabas and Saul were busy before the call. No, they weren't waiting for special recognition. They weren't sitting in a pew soaking and souring because they didn't have anything to do. That wasn't them. They, weren't, they, 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 they were doing what they could do. And when the time came, the Holy Spirit of God called out the two who were already busy in the work. You see that? They were busy before the call. They didn't become busy when they got the call. They were busy before the call. I know we understand this, and it probably bears repeating that not everyone. <laughs> is called to full-time service. Not everyone is qualified to be a pastor, to be a deacon, to be a church planter, a missionary. But I wonder how many are busy doing what they can do.
Think about it. Jesus started His church with 12 men. Obviously, we know Judas was not involved in there, but out of those 12, 11 became preachers. From the very beginning, they were bringing others to Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost, you come into the upper room, there's 120 in the upper room, the Holy Ghost falls on them, they come out into the, into, into the streets, and, and they were all, all uh, active in the ministry there on the day of Pentecost, because all of those of those other languages heard them in their own language, uh, speaking the wonderful works of God. The entire church on that day of Pentecost was active. In the ministry. And it is evident that every born again child of God should be preaching Jesus Christ, should be passing out tracts, should be participating in, in a church's, I, I believe, in, a, in an organized visitation. Now, now wait a minute. Now, wait, wait a minute. The, the, these are not areas that require special giftedness. These are areas where everyone's gift can be exercised. These are, these are not endeavors that require a calling. These are commands that require obedience. And see, this is what Paul and Barnabas were doing before the call even came. They were already busy. Now, I know what you might be saying. You may be saying something like this. Now, now, now preacher, I, I don't know the Bible well enough to be going out there and telling everybody about Jesus. <laughs> you know what I say? You have the same Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul had. Get in the book and study it. Yeah. Read your Bible. No, the Holy Spirit of God said He would guide us into all truth. Did He not? Yeah, absolutely He did. So you know what the responsibility of every believer, whether you're called or not, is? Study the Bible. Get in the Word of God. Let it get into you. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Get in the Word of God. Meditate it. David said in the, that, that, that he would meditate on his Word day and night. Get in the Word of God. You might be saying, "You might be saying, hey, I, I, I don't have anybody to witness to. I'm at a stage in life, I guess, I just, <clears throat> I don't have anybody that I can talk to. You know what I say? I say it might be because you have nothing to share. Refer back to rule number one. Get in the book. Start reading your Bible. And you'd be surprised the people that God puts in your path. You might be saying, hey, hold on a minute. I'm not called in the ministry. I, I, I'm not qualified. I don't even want it. Even if I were qualified, I wouldn't want a thing to do with it. And I say, I don't think we see anywhere God called Priscilla and Aquila who took Apollos aside with the Word of God and showed him more perfectly the Word of God because he was off on some doctrinal things. I don't think we have any evidence, even with Barnabas and Saul before Acts 13. We know what God was going to do with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the Apostle Paul when we understand that. But up to this specific calling in Acts 13, they were just doing what they could. No, don't miss the principle I'm laying down here. God uses those who are prepared and busy before He calls. And God uses those 
that he never even calls into official positions. Why is that? (laughs) Because the Great Commission is given to the church. And if you are a member of a New Testament Baptist church, the Great Commission is given to you. No, the gospel isn't reserved for the educated. It's not reserved for the pastors and missionaries. It's not reserved for the young. It's not reserved for the old. The work of the gospel is reserved for every born again child of God. And you know what, you know what we ought to be doing, all of us? We ought to just be busy. Busy. Busy before the call. In doing what God has us to do. Yeah. Well, church, I want to talk to you for a minute. You're a member of Calvary Baptist Church here. I want to ask you something Are you active in the work of the gospel? Are you active in the work of the gospel? Are you studying your Bible? Are you memorizing Scripture? Are you seeking opportunities to witness? Are you active in a visitation program when it's going? Passing out tracts? This isn't too tough. No, God may not ever call you into the full-time ministry as a pastor or a missionary. But if God needed somebody, would He even notice you? There's a saying out there. I'm sure you've heard it before. It goes, if, if, if you need to find someone to accomplish a task, find someone who's busy. If you really need something to get done and you need it done right, find somebody who's already busy. Because there's a reason they're busy. You know, this is, this is great news. This is really great news. Because you don't have to be someone in a great position to do the work of God. So let me ask you tonight. Are you busy about your father's business? Are you busy before the call? Barnabas and Saul were. And we see here that the calling and the separating of the Holy Spirit of God came in the midst of their busyness. What about you today? Are you busy for God? Are you busy about the work? You ought to be. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You today for Your Word. I want to thank You for the reminder that we have here that yes, You call some into ministry, but You've never called anybody who wasn't doing anything. You call those that are busy.
And Lord, we know that there, not everybody is called. We know that. Not everybody's even qualified. We know we understand that. So, Father, we just ask you to help us to be to be mindful, and that you'd remind us by the Holy Spirit that we need to be busy about our Father's business and rejoice again, Lord, that we don't have to have some high position. We don't have to be some great educated individual. We don't have to have some great degree to go out and tell people about Jesus. Would you help us, Father, as we just stay faithful in this area of what you've called us to do? And it just may be that there might be some of those that you call out, but you'll be calling those that are already busy. Lord, I pray you would help us, Lord, to be numbered among those that are busy for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have a verse of invitation and, and the piano is going to play. However God has uh, dealt with you, you just deal with Him right where you're at. Are you busy about the Father's business? Are you doing what you can do where God's put you? If God needed to call somebody, would He notice you? close in a word of prayer and and we'll just keep you abreast of uh, the next moves and what we do from here and uh, we'll see how this works and uh, so Lord bless you for listening and tuning in and uh, we will uh, see you again real soon. Father thank you for your word today would you bless it. Uh, Bless your people during this time. Strengthen us encourage us and uh, Lord that we'd be busy about uh, the Father's business right where we're at We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.